Today we begin a celebration Advent on these four Sundays leading up to Christmas. We will rejoice in the great gift that is our in Christ. To help us celebrate, we will be lighting the candles of the Advent wreath. The candles signify that he is the light of the world. The evergreens remind us that he is life and brings life to us. All these are arranged in a circle because life in Christ has no end. Today, we will light the first candle, which is a candle of hope. Hope is the assurance that God will finish all he has started. Hope is the confidence that he will do all, all he was promised. Our passage is from Isaiah 9, 2, 6, seven as well the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of greatness of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will be accomplished, will accomplish this. Hope is like a light shining in a dark place. As we look at the light of this candle, we celebrate the hope we have in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your hope is revealed to us in Jesus, the Son of God. Help us in preparing to celebrate his birth, to make our hearts ready and to place our hope in you. Help us today and every day to worship you to hear your word, and to do your will by sharing your hope with others. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God is good. And all the time. I love doing that. <sighs> Isn't it great to be here? Uh, we're going we're gonna to start this morning just by jumping right into the Bible. Uh, and I was, as I was down there singing this morning, I was thinking about something I'd learned like a long time, and I'm going to throw you camera guys off for a second. So uh, I learned a few years ago that like in the, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, whenever they read from the gospel, the, the, the priest will walk out into the middle of the congregation uh, like this, and, and they will, uh, as a way to communicate, and see I'm making feedback and everything, I'm messing everybody up up there. Uh, that, that the gospel is from, for everyone. And so we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 24 uh, this morning, and it is going to be verse 36. So let's stand together as we read from God's word. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You you may sit down if you'd like. If you want to stand the whole time, I guess you could do that too. All right, so uh, this is a good passage. Um, and really, these types of passages, um, they're kind of difficult, uh, I think, uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, you know, it's, well, we tend to kind of fall into some different categories when we, we start to think of, you know, end times, apocalyptic things, the return of Christ, like those sorts of things. We, we tend to fall into a couple of categories. On, on the one hand, uh, we have, you know, we, we read this and it feels confusing, it feels overwhelming, uh, it feels like I don't know how to make sense of some of these things, and, and I just read like the easy portion, like if you were to read like the section above what we just read, uh, you'd get some of that sense, and so a lot of times what we do is we just kind of throw up our hands and we say, I don't know what to think of this, and we just, uh, so I'm not going to try, we just kind of go on with our life, and, and that's that, and then when the topic comes up, we just kind of tune it out, because... We just, it's overwhelming, it's hard, it's... Uh, and then you have, on the other hand, you have those that... Well, well they're probably the reason why the, the rest of us tune this out, because they've got it all figured out already. Uh, and, and they've got charts and graphs to prove that they are right. And like they, they know the series of events that's going to take place, and they, they know when it's going to happen, and like on a global scale, like they know what every country is going to do, and when it's going to, like they've got it all figured out, and, and they kind of give you the sense that they're ready to fist fight you if you disagree with them. I don't know if you've ever encountered anybody like that. Uh, I don't know, maybe you don't fall into either of those, those camps, they're, they're vague generalizations, Maybe you're just wondering, like, I thought we were in Christmas season. Why are we talking about this? Well, first, calm down. It's not Christmas yet. Okay? I know some of you probably have put up your tree and your lights and all that, and that's fine, um, I guess. But it's not Christmas yet. 
In fact, it's not even Christmas season yet. We're in a season called Advent. And that's a different thing. And I know we, we sometimes treat Advent as like uh, pre-Christmas or Christmas light, you know, like. But it's not. It's, it's a whole different thing. See, Christmas is a time of celebration and Advent is a time of reflection and renewal and preparation. It's this time that we have where we can, uh, that we set apart each year to, to prepare our hearts so that we can properly celebrate the birth of Christ when Christmas does come. So it's its own thing. It's, it's Advent, right? It's about waiting. It's about anticipation. It's, it's an opportunity for us to stop and to think how God has been th- faithful throughout all the ages and with his, uh, the, the people of Israel and how once upon a time he promised them a coming king and how that promise was fulfilled on Christmas. And so we, we reflect on these sorts of things and we begin to wonder how that might apply to our lives and how, what that might mean to us. And so part of that is reflecting on how we too are waiting for Christ to come. Just like they were 2,000 years ago, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. We find ourselves today in that same situation, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled for Christ to come. Advent is a season of devout and joyful preparation for the coming of Jesus. And so what that means, and something I think is really cool, is that all around the world this morning, those who who kind of follow these things, there's churches who read that same passage and are thinking of these same things. And, And together as this global body of Christ, we are contemplating and considering the return of Christ to the world. To me, I think that's pretty cool. So today we're going to talk about the return of Christ. And and to clarify, just because I guess I'm feeling feistier than I normally am, because this is not something I'd usually bring up, but but I'm going to. Uh, When I'm talking about the return of Christ this morning, I'm I'm not talking about like a a secret rapture of the church. Okay, Uh, I know we read this particular passage, and and a lot of people kind of go away with that thought, Uh, but it's very likely that this passage or any passage is talking about that. Um, That's a fairly new teaching in the history of the church, uh, and depending on who you ask, not very biblically supported, and if you don't agree with me, that's okay. Um, You can email AJ, let him know I'm a heretic, uh, or you can email me, I'll pass you along some information, uh, just so you know why I think that. But anyhow, I guess I was feeling a little bit more dangerous than normal. All right. So today, we're not going to try to crack any codes, and we're not going to try to connect any sort of apocalyptic dots, right? We're just going to talk about the return of Jesus. Because, as I said, just as 2,000 years ago, they were waiting for Christ to enter into history, we, too, are Waiting, And so the question then that we move to is, what does this passage teach us about the return of Christ? Well, well, the big thing is this. We don't know when it will be. 
We don't know when it will be. In fact, uh, so verse 36, it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. You know, the, when the early church came across this verse, they read it and they said things like, uh, well, if the angels don't know it, who, then we shouldn't seek to try to figure it out. Like, that's what the, uh, it was. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce the name right. Christostrum. I, I can't. I, big words are hard for me. Uh, so... He's like, so that men should not seek to learn what angels do not know. And then uh, another guy said uh, that Jesus, when he said this, he removed from us any need to be concerned about the date. And I don't know what happened. Somewhere along the line, we read the verse now and we're like, challenge accepted. Like, like we're going to get this. Uh, and, and I had a friend in high school. Uh, his parents had a, a book or a booklet, and it was something like, 88 reasons why Christ will return in 1988. Uh, and we laughed about it because it was no longer 1988 when we came across this book. Uh, I mean, there, there's whole uh, faith traditions that have been based upon predicting the date of the return of Christ. And then when that was shown to be wrong... Somehow, so they, they changed the date, and somehow along the line, they just they gathered more followers also, which doesn't make sense to me at all. <laughs> See, uh, I, I've had people tell me also, this is, they're like, well, you know, the passage, it says we don't know the day or the hour. It doesn't say anything about the month or the year, which is funny if you say it as a joke. Unfortunately, we don't always say those sorts of things as a joke. See, this whole passage is about the sudden and unexpected nature of the return of Christ. I mean, that's like the big point. One of the big points of this is like, we just don't know. And so Jesus gives us like the examples of, of Noah, right? He's like, in the days of Noah, they were living life. They were, they were eating as people do. They were, you know, drinking as people do. They were getting married. They were living life. And then unexpectedly, a flood came and took them away. And he says, so it's going to be like that. It's going to be like two guys are going to be walking out of field. One of them is going to be taken. There's going to be two ladies grinding grain, trying to make bread. One of them is going to be taken in the same way that the flood took the people who weren't expecting. And so this taking away probably is referring to perhaps death or being taken away to judgment. There's a couple different ways to read that. So, so the thing is this, we can count down to Christmas because Christmas happens on December 25th every year. Who knows how many days till Christmas? I have no idea. I, I, th I thought someone in here would probably know. We can count down to Christmas, but we can't count down the days to the return of Christ because we don't know. Now, I have probably sufficiently beat that dead horse, right? We can, we can kind of move on. But that's like the, that's a big point of this, is like we just don't know. So if then our task is not to play like apocalyptic connect the dots, you know, draw some charts and what, what is our job? What is our task? Verse 42, it's simple. Therefore, keep watch, 
because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. How do we keep watch? Well, Jesus tells us that too. He says, he says you know, if you knew that there is a thief coming, what would you do? Like, what would you do? Like, if you knew tonight they were coming, that someone was coming to take away all your stuff, they're going to, you know, pick up your big screen TV and your computers and your jewelry and anything worth anything in your house, what would you do if you knew for sure it was going to happen? Well, you would, some of you would get a chair, sit in front of the door with your shotgun, and you're protecting your stuff. Some of you would call the police and say, hey, these guys are going to come and take, like, you would work to protect your belongings. You would prepare for that, which, by the way, is what makes this a Christmas passage because that is essentially the plot of Home Alone. I'm just, I'm saying, that's ex- like, the wet bandits are coming, I've got to booby trap the house, right? That is, like, if we know people are coming to take our stuff, we're going to prepare, we're going to be ready, we're going to keep watch. And we do those things, we work hard to protect our possessions, you know, we, we lock our doors, we lock our windows, we, we set the alarm, we... we buy an alarm service, you know, we, we purchase insurance, we have safes, we have firearms, we have banks and storage units and padlocks and all of those things to make sure our stuff is safe. And so Jesus says in the same way that, that you're vigilant about protecting your possessions, be vigilant to protect your soul. Your, your very being, the, the essence of you are the, the totality of your humanness. Be, be vigilant to protect that. Keep watch. Be ready for my return. And, and so to do that, we as Christian people, we, we work hard and we're vigilant about avoiding things that are destructive to ourselves. We, we avoid things that, that diminish our humanity and diminish the humanity of others. We avoid things that objectify ourselves and objectify others. We don't gossip and we don't hold on to bitterness and we stay away from, from chemical addictions and, and from sexual immorality and we don't hold on to unforgiveness and, and we you know, evaluate our motives so that we're not using people for our own personal gain. And of course, the list goes on and on and on and on of the various things, you know, the habitual sins and the destructive behaviors that we are careful to avoid because we know they diminish our humanity, they diminish who God has created us to be. And so we keep watch and we're ready by avoiding those dangerous things. But on the other hand, we also keep watch by participating in the things that build us up and that nourish us as God's people, that draw us closer to Christ, who is the source of life. You know, we, we do things like corporate worship, right? We get together at the same place at the same time, and we sing the same songs. And there is a, a study I came across. Uh, well, I heard about it, and I looked it up so that way I can say I came across it. Um, and it says that... Uh, when we're in the same room singing together, like our, our breaths start, our, starts to synchronize and then that causes our heartbeats to, to synchronize. Uh, pretty interesting thing. 
And, and so, so we, we do these things like, like we're corporate worship and, and serving one another and serving the community and we participate in small groups and, and we observe the sacraments like we're going to do later today and we do these things that feed our soul and, and nourish us and draw us closer and closer to Christ. We, we pray on our own and with one another. We uh, engage in, with scripture on our own and with one another. And we do these things because we know Christ will return and we are keeping watch. And we fast and we pray and we live lives of, of sacrifice. And so those, those are the ways that we keep ready, right? We, we, we keep watch by being about the master's business. And so let's, let's kind of move our, our thinking along. So the nation of Israel 2,000 years ago was promised a coming king. That promise was fulfilled, and we celebrate it every year at Christmas. We, too, are promised that Christ will return, and so we we long for that, we anticipate that, we, we prepare for that, we believe that, we put our hope in that. And then there's a, a third category of people. There, there's people in our community and people that we interact with and engage with on a regular basis, and they too are waiting for Jesus. And, and it's our job as the body of Christ as Jesus' people, as the Christian church, it's our job to give them their food at the proper time. That's verse 45. It says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Yes, we're waiting for the return of Christ, but there's so many people around us that are waiting to be fed, either physically or spiritually or metaphorically or, or otherwise. They, they are waiting to encounter the risen Christ. See, while the master is away, the servants are in charge. While we wait for Jesus, we be Jesus. Now, I mean, wouldn't it be great if Christ returned today? I mean, there's a whole list of reasons why, we're like, yes, that would be incredible. If, or, you know, if, if maybe not today, just maybe before tomorrow morning when the alarm went off, right? We didn't have to drag ourselves to work on Monday morning. Like, if Christ came back now, wouldn't that, that would be amazing, uh, and, and all things were put right, and, you know, all things in heaven and on earth were brought in unity under Christ, and, and, and everything was brought into fulfillment, and, and finally, the, like, the goal that we are striving and pushing for is reached. I mean, that would be amazing. And of course, like we said, like, I can never tell you when that will be. No one will, will be able to tell you when that will be, but we know it's going to be really good. And though I can't tell you when Christ will return, I can tell you how to get Jesus to show up tomorrow. I can tell you that if we find someone who is hungry and we feed them, Jesus shows up. That if we find someone who's hurting and we bring them comfort, if we find the imprisoned or those that are confined to their homes and we visit them, Jesus shows up. 
find someone and tell them about Jesus. We show kindness to those around us. We find someone burdened with guilt and shame, and we tell them about the grace and the love of God. I had an opportunity this past week to talk to uh, an Orthodox priest for a school project I'm doing. And in the course of our conversation, he said several times, he's like, you know, people just need to know that they might have a lot of enemies in this world, but God isn't one of them. Jesus shows up when we forgive that person that we've been holding a grudge against. When we pray for our enemies, when we are the salt and the light and we show love to the world, when we speak truth with gentleness, we don't know when Christ will return, but we know Jesus shows up when we treat others with dignity, we treat others as others, not as commodities. We treat others as we would want to be treated ourselves, like Christ has taught us. When we keep our word, when we practice spiritual disciplines, and so many other things, when we live the life that Christ has taught us to live. So Advent is this time where we are reflecting and we're waiting and we're anticipating for Christ to come. And we know that God will keep the promise. And perhaps it can also be a time, especially as we light the candle of hope, to reflect on how we can bring that same Christ into the world and that same hope into the world. And that's why Advent's one of my favorite times of the year. And we're gonna just, we're gonna wrap up and wind down today and I thought, you know, as I was writing through this, what better way to, to close out this time when we're, we're thinking about the return of Christ, what better way than, than to do that than to celebrate the sacrament that says that when we participate in it, we are remembering the death of Christ until he returns. And so we're going to close today by taking communion and communion it's open to anybody who has put their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Communion is a time that we acknowledge our own weakness and we lean into his strength. It's a time in which we, we long for Christ and we also receive Christ. A time where we are united together as the body of Christ so we can be sent out to, to do the work of Christ. It's a sacred time. It's an important time. And so before we proceed, what I would like to do is just spend a little bit of time in silent prayer, kind of preparing ourselves for this. And if you would like to pray up front while you do that you're you're more than welcome uh, but let's just pause for a moment in silence
Lord, we turn our hearts towards you. Take this moment to push aside the distractions of life, the distractions that are inevitable this time of the year with all the things going on, Lord. And we turn our gaze upon you. God, you know our hearts, you know our desires, you know that deep within us we, we long for your return. Lord, there's physical ailments that would be solved. There, there's brokenness that would be fixed. There's families that are divided that would be united. There's all sorts of good that would come from that, Lord. And so we long for that day. But God, until then, help us to be Jesus in this world. The Communion Supper, instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The Supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit, it is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins, and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so we pray. Holy God, we gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed, Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins, and we live in the hope of his coming again. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. And Lord, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven,
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And be thankful. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, this is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Lord, we are so thankful for you. We come before your table with such joy and gratitude in the prayer of our heart as we sing this final song is that you would come soon and you would show up each and every day in our lives. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together.
to the Lord this morning. Just a couple of announcements um, before we close. Uh, first of all, if you've been attending the class given by Hank that's called Resolving Everyday Conflict, they are not meeting today, but there are two left for the next two Sundays. Secondly, um, if you would love to help make this place beautiful for Christmas. We have a decorating crew coming and we love helpers. Whether you're great at decorating or just a good helper, uh, next Saturday, December 3rd, and that will be from 10 to 12, just a couple of hours, and I hear that donuts are being promised. And, so, and thirdly, the blessing tree that's in the foyer um, is just a great way to help uh, someone who could use a little extra help with a, a family, a child in our community. There are tags on that tree. Um, if you want and, and are able to grab a, a tag, bring back the gifts uh, two Sundays from now, December 11th, and that will be wonderful. If you pick up a tag for the Salvation Army, that one should be unwrapped when you bring it back. So that's it. So keep those in mind, if you will. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder that you you are Emmanuel, God with us, but also that you are the coming king, the king who came, the king who will come. And Lord, help us to live in anticipation of you in our daily, in our daily lives, bringing you into the, the lives of others, bringing you into our workspace, uh, into our family space, uh, watching Christ come and work through each of us, Lord, to our homes, to our neighborhoods as we live out this life for you. Lord, thank you for that day when you will come and bring us back to be with you one day. And Lord, um, let us live expectantly. Thank you for who you are and for all that you are doing in our lives. Thank you for this special season of year when we get to uh, just enjoy Advent and all that it means. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. God bless.